Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Newsgram. Oh boy, do we have a treat for you today. And we begin this edition of Newsgram with two words, sexual cannibalism. Some of the most famous sexually cannibalistic animals in nature are the South American green anaconda and, of course, the infamous black widow spider. And technically, that's an insect, right? But my all-time favorite is the praying mantis. Now, the praying mantis uses her wily ways of seduction to lure in a mate. She lets him do his little dance and then hop onto her back. But once he begins to mate with her, she bites off his head. Now, what's even more fascinating is that they never learn. Well, I mean, they have the brain of an insect. What do you expect? I've met some women in the past who have been praying mantises. They've not been always straightforward with me. You know, they haven't killed anyone, but, you know, it's uh, made me wonder how far would they go. Are there women out there that thrive on being dominated and controlled by men? Well, perhaps, as long as it's on their terms. So what happens when things go too far? When a simple safe word perhaps is not enough? Would they resort to murder? Or better yet, would they use their powers of manipulation to get others to do the killing for them? Well, there's been court cases involving women. They've not killed anyone, but someone acting for them has. And it made me wonder why were these men doing what these women wanted? That's David Gaston, author of the book The Lure of the Praying Mantis. The story is based on some very real court cases, but the book itself is a work of fiction. It's about Anne-Marie de Winter, our femme fatale, and what she did to her victim, Benny Gordon. The cases he just referred to suggest that murder is definitely an option for the real-life praying mantis. In these court cases, what they wanted was someone killed. It was the men that got done for it, not the women. Armed with the legal knowledge and personality traits of these manipulative women, David set out to weave a tale of deceit and murder. Enter Anne-Marie de Winter, and so begins the evolution of a praying mantis. She starts off as a schoolgirl, playing with boys, making them do things that they don't want to do, and gradually goes into the workplace. She starts playing with uh, another man, and he just happens to be married to the boss's daughter. She wants a man killed simply because he's been acting like her uncle and she was playing up to him, but he sort of rejected her and she didn't like that. So she found a, a bit of a slow thinker called Benny and she was able to manipulate him to actually kill the uncle. And of course, whenever you have a murder, there is usually someone assigned to try and solve it. The case of the praying mantis falls on the desks of Detectives Buchanan and Durham. Bad news for Anne-Marie. I created two good detectives that worked well together, and they were able to crack the case. A bit of an oversimplification, but yes, they do eventually catch up with the praying mantis, which she stepped out of her normal behavior and chose to do her own killing. Let me read you the beginning of the book, because if you're anything like me, this will definitely draw you in. Men were her target, and her sexuality was her weapon. 
Jeanne Marie was attractive, although she could never be considered an entrant for a beauty contest. Her blonde hair was shoulder length and curly, her face was round with blue eyes, and she had an engaging smile. Anne-Marie ate frugally, so that her ample charms remained deliciously ample, rather than overpoweringly ample. She knew what men liked, and so she dressed and behaved as though she would offer it all, but without giving away anything. Life is all about give and take, while well, men would give, and Anne-Marie would take. Men found her sexually attractive, and Anne-Marie knew it. This was the source of her power, and she used it mercilessly. She was in command, always in command. She would psychologically castrate them by degrading their names into an effeminate, almost childlike form. So Michael became Mickey, Timothy became Timmy, and William became Willie. She dominated them like a mother figure, making them do things that they otherwise would not want to do. You know the type. The praying mantis could turn up anywhere. Which might not be such a bad thing after all, at least for the praying mantis. According to a study published in Proceedings of the Royal Society B, females who eat their male partners after sex produce more eggs than those who don't. By eating the male, it ensures that he's still able to provide for his offspring, even though he's dead. <laughs> Just saying. But guys, if you don't want this to be your fate, David offers these words of warning as you head into your next relationship. Be on the watch. Try and find out what you can about them. If they actually are, who they say they are. Because they might want you to do something for them, and you might not want to do it. So the bottom line here is don't lose your head over her. Sorry, I couldn't resist. The lesson today is while you might not be asked to do murder, make sure you're aware of whether or not she's a genuine friend or just someone trying to lure you in and manipulate you for her own advantage. It might be a seductive temptress, a praying mantis at work, if you will, trying to lure you into a fate that you did not bargain for. The Lure of the Praying Mantis by David Gaston. It's available now pretty much wherever you like to shop online. Target, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and Walmart. And there are links to all those places in the show's description. And that will do it for this edition of Newsgram from webtalkradio.com. <laughs>